We are all children of God. And God is our father, being our parent. Like most parents, he has to talk to us in different ways as we evolve through different stages of our own lives. Good morning, Christian America. That's what we're going to talk about this Friday as we focus on the family. We're going to focus on the family and the fact that God is our Father. And if anybody who's a parent will attest to, you have to tweak your message to your child depending on what age they're at, what maturity level they're at, how much education they have, what they can handle physically, spiritually, emotionally, and how God the Father then, throughout the scripture, tailors his message to us as a people, as a society, as a civilization, as one big family under God. We're going to talk about that today and more as we focus on the family, as we look through at some of these, uh, at the difference between the law of Moses and the law of Jesus, all passed down from God the Father. Good morning, Christian America. So good morning, Christian America. Eddie here with the Christian American community and the Christian American T-shirt company coming to you on a glorious Friday. A glorious Friday morning where the sun is shining, the wind is blowing. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It feels pretty good. Actually, God is good all the time. And he's given us a wonderful world that we should take care of, that we should cherish because we are his children and he is our father. And like most fathers, like most parents, dealing with their children isn't easy. Similar to a child uh, who's a toddler and they're crawling around on all fours because they can't walk yet. What do we do as parents? We have to give strict guidelines with very little justification because the child can't intellectually handle the justification. Sometimes we have to embellish. Sometimes we have to exaggerate. Sometimes we have to go to the worst case scenario to scare the child into not putting their fingers in the light socket, into not playing with the knives, into not trying to open the, uh, the poisons underneath the sink. And all these different dangers that exist, don't pet uh pets that we don't know right don't talk to strangers and and that message evolves as the child grows and when they're young you have to give them the dire consequences you can be electrocuted if you stick your finger or you stick that penny inside this the wall outlet or this stranger could take you away from mommy and daddy and it scares the child it it's we have to to get our point across to make the child understand that was what is most important is that you follow these rules that the parent has set and failure to follow the rules can enter uh can can enter yourself in a in a very bad position you can be found to be in a very dangerous position that will uh, that could cost you your life and it's that type of outlook is what I like to look at when I look at scripture and so when people that are anti-christian 
that are anti-Christian American and that call Christian Americans all the names in the book and mock us and ridicule us, call us haters and bigots. They tend to point most of the time into the Mosaic Law, into the Old Testament, specifically in Leviticus, where Moses receives the messages from God on how to live right, how to live in a functioning society. And he lays out hundreds of rules, hundreds of regulations with drastic consequences for violation of those, con uh, of those rules. Violations of those commands bring about harsh, harsh consequences. And for anybody who's looking to, to uh, know what those are, if you don't, I would encourage you to turn your Bibles to Leviticus chapters 26. Uh, well, chapter 26. Chapter 26 covers the rewards for obeying God, the rewards for obedience to His law and His commands, and all the great things that will happen. He says, observe my Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees, careful to obey my commands, I will send rain in its season. The ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue until planting and you will eat all the food you want and you will live in safety in your land. If you follow the rules that the parent has set, everything will be great. We will feed you. We will bathe you. We will comfort you. We will take care of you. It's what God is telling his children at this point in time in the early age of civilization, the early understanding of one God, monotheism. And the opposite is true in Leviticus 26 under the punishment of disobedience. And that's a lot longer of a list. But essentially, he says that if you do not listen to me and carry out all my commands, if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out my commands and so violate my covenant, I will do this to you. I will bring on you sudden terror, wasting diseases and fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. You will plant seed in vain. A few more uh, verses down, he says, If you remain hostile towards me, I will refuse and refuse to listen to me. I will multiply your afflictions seven times over as your sins deserve. I will send wild animals against you, and they will rob you of your children, destroy your cattle, and make you in so few numbers that your roads will be deserted. If in spite of these things you do not accept my correction, but continue to be hostile towards me, I myself will be hostile towards you. And I will afflict your sins seven times over. And I will bring the sword on you to avenge the breaking of the covenant. When you withdraw to your cities, I will send a plague among you, and you will be given into the hands of your enemy. That's not a pretty picture that God is painting for the ancient Israelites here as they gather their society, as they build their society. This is straight out of Exodus 
They're coming from Exodus. They're still in the desert. Desert. They're still in the wilderness. They're looking for the promised land that God has promised them. They're they're working through their problems. This is somewhere between you know 1500 and 1300 BC, thousands and thousands of years ago. Civilization is still struggling. To, people are struggling to understand what civilization even is. They've been ruled by multi gods. They've been ruled by uh, human gods in, in, in Pharaoh and, and all these different types of, uh, of, of societies they've lived under. Now, the one true God pulls them out of the land of Egypt and he's, and he's bringing them together under, under one society, under one group. And he's laying down these laws and they're in Leviticus. And there are many of them. There are mainly three types of laws. There are the cultural laws, there are the dietary laws, and there are the moral laws. And they're numerous. And you can, you know, the, the dietary laws consist of what to eat, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat. Hooved, shelled creatures, yes, no, how you wash your hands, how you cleanse yourself, if you touch a dead body, what you have to do to be cleansed, all these things. There are cultural laws. What has to be sacrificed in order to bring about prosperity? Getting the early Israelites in a rhythm of keeping the Sabbath, in a early rhythm of keeping God's commandments, and that failure to do so, failure to live a righteous life, equals grave catastrophe towards you, your family, your community, and your country if you were if we equate it to 2019. So the rest of the, the Old Testament goes by and we get to Jesus. Because the Old Testament foretells Jesus over and over again and the prophets even you know foretell of Jesus' coming. And Jesus, as we know him, the Christ the Savior. He doesn't abolish the laws of Moses, but he tweaks the message because 1,500 years or so has gone by. We've seen the ups of the Israelites and we've seen the down of the Israelites. We've seen the child grow from a toddler into almost an adult. And Jesus comes along to explain the laws. Moses gave you the, the word of the law. Jesus is going to give you the spirit of the law. The intent of the law. He's going to explain it to us in a manner in which we can more clearly understand because we are an older person now. You can talk to a 20-year-old like an adult, but you can't talk to a 5-year-old like an adult. They don't understand it. So you tailor the message. The great thing about Christ, the great thing about God, the great thing about Scripture is that God speaks to everyone at the level of their own understanding. And so I'm trying to break this down to you today. So Jesus comes along and he explains the laws. And, let, and so I said there are three major laws, three types of laws, the dietary laws, the cultural laws that deal with sacrifice and whatnot, and 
the moral laws. And so when the Pharisees are renowned for their strict adherence to the letter of the law, Jesus comes along and he calls them hypocrites because they don't understand the spirit of the law. They don't understand that there's a priority under these laws. And that God is the number one priority. They are not the number one priority. And he constantly ridicules them. And so, for instance, if you um, if you turn to Matthew chapter 12, and we covered this a couple Wednesdays ago, about doing work on the Sabbath. The old law said that you shouldn't do work on the Sabbath. But Jesus comes along with his followers, and he heals on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees try to call him out on it. Like, wait a minute. Moses' law says to honor the Sabbath and don't do any work. But Jesus looks at him and he says, If any of you has a sheep and it falls in a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Of course you would. That, sh that sheep needs to be saved. And we can't just let it die because it's on the Sabbath. He said, now how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It doesn't say that you, you can do whatever you want to on the Sabbath. But he says it's lawful to do good. It's lawful to do good works on the Sabbath. He explains the law. He does away with the interpretation or, or the, the strict interpretation that was previously laid out. Like the, uh, like all the ritual sacrifices. The ritual sacrifices were sacrifices to God for certain things. There were bread sacrifices. There were uh, uh, animal sacrifices. There were tons of sacrifices for tons of celebrations and feasts and whatnot. Jesus came as the last sacrifice. He sacrificed himself for all humanity, for all sins. So there's no reason to sacrifice anymore because Jesus is the last. He came to give up his body as an atonement for our sins. Now there are the dietary laws. The dietary laws explained what the old Israelites could and could not eat. What they considered clean and unclean. They, what they considered to be defiling. But if you turn to chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 15. The Pharisees question why the disciples, Jesus and his disciples, are eating unclean. And they ask him in verse 15, uh, 15, 2, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus goes on to tell them a bunch of stuff, but mainly what I want to tell you is that in, um, in verse 6, he says, Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions, you hypocrites. Listen and understand. He says in verse 10, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth defiles them. 
Jesus is establishing that the real defiling of a human being is not the food that you put that you put in. It's the words that you speak out. That's what defiles you. So the dietary laws. We don't have to uh, uh, follow anymore because Jesus sets the record straight. Some of the punishment, the harsh punishment, the the uh, the harsh language that's used in the Old Testament, similar to a parent giving the worst case scenario to a young child to get him to follow the rules. A lot of damnation, a lot of stoning, a lot of a lot lots of threats of death for breaking the commandments, breaking the commands. What does Jesus say? What does he come when he comes? Uh, well, John eight. In John eight, he's as he's approached by uh, the Pharisees who bring him an adulteress. What does he say? How does that go? They bring in an adulteress. They lay her before him. They say that she's broken the law. She should be stoned to death by the old law. She should be put to death. She should be condemned. What does Jesus say? Those who have not sinned cast the first stone. And soon people started to walk away. The oldest first because I would figure they had sinned the most. And then pretty soon after everyone walked away, no one was standing there except Jesus and the adulterist on the ground. And he lifts her up. And he says, woman, no one has condemned you. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Excuse me, he says, go now and leave your life of sin. Now, he didn't stone her, but he also didn't condone her. His judgment is just that she sinned, but we don't kill people because of their sins. Because if we killed people because of their sins, there would be no one alive. We all sin. This is grown-up talk now. Just like when the old law gives ten commandments, which are separate than the other 200 or so laws of the Mosaic laws, but the ten commandments we all pretty much know. And they are the Ten Commandments. We try to follow them. There's a reason we should follow them. There's a reason why they exist. There's a reason why God gave us these commandments as an easy top ten list of things that we should not be doing, nor should we allow in our society. What What does Jesus say? As Christians, we should look to Jesus to be our guide. But when the Pharisees come and they try to you know, box Jesus in and they say, what is the greatest commandment? This is in uh, Matthew 22, verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Knowing that there are 10, knowing that there are equal, trying to box him in, what does Jesus say? 
Jesus say says in verse 37 love the Lord with all love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and then I believe in Mark's version it says your spirit this is the first and greatest commandment and the second commandment is like this love your neighbor as yourself all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments if you follow these two commandments if you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if you love your neighbors, you love yourself, you will then in turn do all the other Ten Commandments. You won't covet your neighbor's wife. You won't covet your neighbor's goods. You won't steal from your neighbor. You won't murder your neighbor. You won't defile God. You won't take his name in vain if you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and you love your neighbor. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we focus on our families this weekend, as you go into the world this weekend, as you go in there to spread your love and your message, uh, spread your love and his message, remember this. When, when you're confronted by people who just talk crap about Christians that, don't, that have never understood or read the biblical text, that don't read scripture, that have no interest in it, they only want to uh, make you know, score political points with you or try to make you feel bad. This is the truth. As, as children grow up to become adults and then grow up to be elderly, there's a maturity that takes place. And that maturity also takes place within a, not only an individual, but a community, within a society, within a country. We see that. That's a natural evolution. And as we grow in intelligence, as we grow in maturity, God is able to speak to us in a more intellectual and in a more uh, mature manner. And if you follow these biblical stories, if you understand these commandments and how they've evolved over time, to be explained by Jesus, by, to be explained by Christ, I think you get a better understanding that there are no contradictions in the scripture. Jesus has come and clarified any dispute on whether or not uh, you should sin. And the answer is no. But he's also clarified on how our response should be to individuals in our community who have sinned. And Paul goes on even further throughout the New Testament to explain in depth some of these parables that Jesus gave us. Some of these examples that he lived out in front of us get us to even further examine ourselves in this community to further our own intellectual knowledge of the biblical text of Christ himself of ourselves in relation to him and with that ladies and gentlemen we hope you have a blessed weekend if you want to contribute to the Christian American community please go to christianamericantees.com that's christianamericantees.com where you can pick yourself up a Christian American tea tank, 
sweatshirt, hoodie, hat, um, or any other associated item. The tees, the tanks, the tri-blends, and the hats are all 100% made in America. So if you go to ChristianAmericanTees.com and you pick up, pick yourself up any of those uh, specific apparel items, you contribute to the overall success of our country. You contribute your dollars into a Christian American organization who and then in turn supports your Christian American beliefs, our Christian American beliefs. If you want to be a part of the Christian American conversation, go to our Facebook page, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to this podcast, by the way, subscribe to this podcast, Good Morning Christian America, by going to the YouTube channel and clicking on the subscribe button up in the uh, upper right-hand corner. You can also go to our Facebook page, our parlor page, our uh, Twitter page, and our Instagram page. Search for Christian American Community or search for Good Morning Christian America. Depending on the platform, uh, will depend on what you search for. But I'm pretty sure if you typed in Christian American, there's only one organization that claims to be Christian American. There's only one organization that I'm aware of that specifically uses the phrase Christian American because we are Christians first. We put Christ first in our lives and we love our country and we're dedicated to it and we're looking out for the best interest of it. So as a community, we are Christian Americans. That's why we phrased it that way. That's why the gear and the apparel uh, says it. That's why our logo uh, is the American flag with a cross, in, a shining cross in the middle of it because Christ stands out first. He is our guiding light. He is our the way, the truth, and the light. He is the where we want to be when we pass from this earth. We want to be with Christ. But while we're here on this planet, we live in the greatest country in the world, the freest country in the world. The, the, and the reason for that is because this country was built off the principles of Christ. And so we are the Christian American community. Be a part of the Christian American community by going to any one of those social media sites and logging on and liking, sharing, following, and tweeting us, echoing us if you're on part. Go to the YouTube page and click on subscribe under the Good Morning Christian America podcast. If you're interested in the audio-only podcast, which I know some people are because you like to listen to the podcast while you run or work out or wherever, uh, you can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and subscribe to the Good Morning Christian American podcast. That way you don't miss any of our content. You don't miss any of the videos that we put out. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, as you get ready to go into the weekend, as you finish up this week, this beautiful Friday, I mean, the weather is outstanding out here. Remember to always put Christ first, to seek to help your brothers and sisters in Christ, to your left and to your right. Do good things and and seek out the good works that Christ has laid out and advanced for you. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, until Monday, you guys stay blessed, stay on fire for Christ. Good morning, Christian America.